Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is on the air. Never send to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is a call to arms for those American patriots who, in the tradition of our founding fathers, will stand up now to defend the Constitution and the liberties that it guarantees to each citizen, to each of us. That is our mission, to explain in a clear and concise manner the direct effect of each issue on the individual, on you personally not some anonymous being in a distant place, and to define in no uncertain terms the consequences of inaction. Let the battle begin. Welcome to Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. This is Dr. Dan. Freedom Forum Radio is for you, faithful listeners, no matter who you voted for or what political party you belong to. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is not about politics. It's about principle. It's not about candidates. It's about conscience and the Constitution. Like the name implies, this is a program about freedom, individual freedom, your freedom, where it comes from, what it means to you, and most importantly, how to hang on to it. You're listening to Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum, now part three with Dr. Giannoli. You know, you mentioned uh, refractive surgery or, or LASIK. That's a really great example of how free market brings down cost and price. I mean, when LASIK first became available, it was expensive. It was hugely expensive. You were talking, you know, $3,000 an eye, $3,500 an eye, a huge amount. Now, because of the competition, those prices have come down so that you can get LASIK surgery for, you know, 20% of those those huge high prices. Then they bring in a new... Uh, a new a new type of LASIK where they make the flap with a different laser. Well, again, that's now a higher price as that as that laser proliferates. We'll see that come down as well. So competition means that instead of having to pay seven thousand six or seven thousand dollars for both eyes and LASIK, you can get the whole thing done for a lot less fifteen hundred dollars, maybe two thousand, depending on where you go. So then. You can look for the best quality that you can find for a price range that you can afford, and you can get it now because of that competition factor that wasn't there in the beginning. Absolutely. I mean, competition fosters reduced prices and also improved quality. I mean, that's the two big things, and and that's the exact opposite we're seeing with the intrusion in, of uh, insurance into healthcare, it reduces quality and reduces. I mean, and artificially uh, balloons up the price. You know, the, on the flip side, because of uh, uh, you know five dollar copays and, and patients having bottom dollar coverage, uh, there's a lot of waste from the patient standpoint. And a, a good example of that is a patient I saw shortly before we got off of all the third-party uh, payer system, 
this gentleman was, you know, he looked uh, like he was either a businessman or a lawyer, and he came to see me, and I, I don't even remember what his complaint was, but I remember telling him, you need to do X, Y, Z to take care of your problem. And he said, he thanks me, and he, he goes on his way, and then he comes back about a month or two later and tells me he has the same problem. Well, I then asked him, well, did you do the X, Y, Z we talked about? And he looks at me and says, no, I didn't do that. Well, at that point, I'm wondering why, you know, I asked him, why didn't you do it? I mean, that's what you need to do to, you know, take care of this problem. And so he thanks me again. He goes on his way and shows up another couple months later and tells me he still has the same problem. So I ask him again, did you do what I recommended? Did you do X, Y, Z? And he says, no. And at this point, I said, sir, why do you keep coming back to me when you know I'm going to tell you to do X, Y, Z, uh, and you're not doing it? And he looks at me and says, well, it was only a $5 copay, and I was hoping you might tell me something different. <laughs> and that is partly, you know, the, the fact that he did not value the visit, it, it was something that he ran up a bill for the insurance company, and it didn't matter to him because it wasn't valuable to him. Now that we're off of the third-party payment system, I have very few patients that would be non-compliant or, or not do what I recommend. If they don't like what I recommend, they just don't come back because they're using their own money uh, to see me. In the presentation you made at the AAPS, you had a slide that said that that if anything you pay for in advance, you're going to be satisfied with. And I think that's really what you're talking about. <clears throat> if people pay for something, it's going to have more value than if they get it for free. I mean, that's, oh, absolutely. that's just a, a, a general fact of life. And I think that's exactly what you're talking about with that example. Because here's someone who, for a, a pittance, could come in and take your time to have you tell him over and over again what he needed to do. But he didn't have any, it didn't have any value to him because he didn't really have to reach into his pocket in a hurtful way financially and, and come back and see you. Uh, you that know, speaks another volumes. Another example similar, and I'm sure you've seen uh, cases like this, Dr. Dan, uh, the you know, 70-year-old fellow that gets a cold and uh, he goes in to see his primary care doctor. And um, the primary care doctor, uh, because of... Uh, knowing this guy had smoked in his recent past, figures, oh, i got to get, you know, it's probably just a cold, but I, I need to get a chest x-ray because, you know, if he's got something there, I might miss it. And so he gets a chest x-ray, and, well, this guy's 70 years old, and he's got scars in his lungs, and the radiologist looks at the, the, the x-ray and says, well, you know, it's probably just scars in his lung, but I can't be sure it's not uh, a cancer, you know, I'll say you need to get a CAT scan. And the next thing you know, the gentleman's sent for a CAT scan. He gets the CAT scan, and there's some funny things, and the, the primary doctor doesn't know what to do, so he sends him to the pulmonologist, and then on and on and on, all because this guy had a cold that he would never have gone in to see the doctor for if he had to pay $100 for the visit instead of it being a $5 copay. If it was a $100 visit, he would have given it a week to see if it would have gone away before going to see the primary care doctor and not had the million-dollar workup for his cold. And so that's another way that we get a lot of wasted uh, dollars in the healthcare system. And again, it goes back to because the patients are not invested in it, and they've got that bottom-dollar coverage. 
Well, you know that when you're talking about million-dollar workups, one of the factors there, of course, is the legal profession. And I'm sure I don't have to tell you that, is that we are constantly practicing defensive medicine because we have to. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and that's one of the reasons why the, the radiologist doesn't want to just call the, the x-ray scar tissue, oh, you, you need a, a CT scan because of that one in a gazillion chance that he might be wrong and wind up getting sued over it. Um, and it's it's something that also drives up the cost of health care. And it's another thing that the Obamacare legislation did absolutely nothing to change. And what a lot of the lawyers don't realize is it's eventually going to get to the point where they're not going to be able to sue for any of this stuff because it's all going to be the government and you're not going to be able to sue the government. So let's talk about Obamacare because obviously that is going to change uh, the way medicine is practiced, whether, as certainly at this point, whether it's eventually changed or uh, done away with or whether it becomes a single-party system. Right now, what kind of effects do you see Obamacare having on the way medicine is practiced, on the doctor-patient relationship? What, what is your view of that? Well, the, probably the scariest part is the lack of privacy. Um, just like everyone's concerned about the NSA spying on everyone, imagine the government having all of your medical records. And uh, the fact that the Obamacare um, software was produced in uh, Western, uh, excuse me, Eastern Europe, and that's where most of the hackers are coming from, it, it's a little scary. Uh, I've read some stories about uh, you know, hackers getting into the Obamacare websites already. And it just tells you the, the, um, the information is not going to be secure. So, n- number one, lack of privacy. Number two, you're going to see shunning of complex cases. Doctors know they're going to get paid the same whether they take care of complicated cases or easy cases. And it's going to sink to where I don't want to deal with the complicated stuff. I don't want the headaches. I don't want the risk of, of litigation. So somebody's got something complicated, you go see somebody else. I'm just going to take care of the easy stuff. So if you have easy problems, not you're going to be fine with the Obamacare system. But if you've got a complicated problem, nobody's going to want to take care of you. Uh, the third thing is waiting lines. We're going to have long queues, as they say in the U.K., uh, and it's going to be a long wait to get any simple thing done. Um, a lot of people point to the Canadian healthcare system as being so wonderful. Uh, let me share with you another story. I have a, a, quite a few patients from Canada, and this one patient uh, came down to see me. She sent me her records in advance, and this was around December of, of, of the end of the year. And I told her, well, one of the things you need be, you know, for me to fully evaluate you when you get down here is an MRI scan. I can get an MRI scan for you when you get here, and you can pay cash, or you could get it done you know, through your health care system in Canada. The patient says, okay, well, I'll get the MRI scan done here, and she promptly schedules a visit with her, her uh, GP, and it's scheduled for September of the following year. Okay? She comes to see me in January. I see her, and I say, well, we still need that MRI scan, some of the things on your uh, evaluation really make me want to see this MRI scan even more now. And she said, well, it's, it's scheduled for September. And I'm like, well, we can get it done now. I said, no, no, I'm going to get it done with the Canadian system, right? So she goes 
back to Canada, and we're waiting, we're waiting. September comes, she gets her scan done, and she sends me an email and says, oh, it was read out as normal, Dr. Gino, what do we do now? I said, well, send me the scan, let me look at it. She mails it to me, it was misread. She had a, a, an Arnold Chiari malformation, and it was a pretty significant uh, Chiari malformation, it wasn't a mild one. And I, I sent her an email back saying, no, it's not, it's abnormal. Have the radiologist take another look at him, ask him to look specifically at this area. She tried, the radiologist would refuse to look at it. He said, I've already looked at it, that's it. She brought it to her primary care doctor. He says, I don't read those things. The radiologist read it's normal, there's nothing we can do. And only after she complained enough, he finally said, okay, we'll send you to see a neurologist. Well, next appointment with a neurologist, five months away. She goes to see a neurologist, neurologist looks at the scan and says, oh, yeah, you've got a Chiari malformation. Uh, we need to set you up with a neurosurgeon, another six-month wait. She finally goes to the neurosurgeon. He's not sure whether he wants to do surgery on her or not. And it, the bottom line is, here is a problem that in my office in the U.S., we could have had handled in a week or two's time. Basically, through the Canadian system, you're looking at a year and a half. And this lady is suffering the whole time. We have to take a quick commercial break. More with Dr. Gianoli right after this. Well, you know, that's really a common story. I mean, we all have patients from Canada. We all know patients who uh, have come here specifically in order to get the care that they were unable to access in any kind of a timely fashion. Uh, in Canada and, and or Great Britain, and, and um, that is really the essence of Obamacare and, and the, the wait time. And when you look at the wait time, we, you know now that we have the VA hospital system under scrutiny because of this very problem. To me, the VA hospital system is what Obamacare will become if it's fully implemented. And as you know, uh, if you have anyone who does use the VAs, most of the time it's hurry up and wait, just like the military or anything else. And so what the end result will be is a two-tier system, the very thing that we were promised or people who banked on Obamacare were promised, that it would not be, that everyone was going to get the care, the, the absolute greatest care at the same level. You and I know that's just plain impossible with single-payer type systems or government intrusion. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, uh, an, another little uh, little vignette, uh, last year I had a kidney stone, and uh, the morning I got it, I knew what it was, and that afternoon I was in the urologist's office, and the very next morning I was having a lithotripsy done, and by, you know, within 24 hours it was gone and done and over. While I was getting set up at the hospital, I ran into a friend who was a, a liaison, a physician liaison for the hospital, and she was, she was asking me what I was doing there, and I told her about the kidney stone. And she told me, oh, my goodness, my dad had a kidney stone uh, last year. And the problem is her dad lives in Massachusetts, which, as you know, has you know universal health care that Obamacare is based on. And when he got his kid stone, the earliest, which, you know, as you know, it's an emergency. I mean, it's, it's a very painful thing. The earliest any urologist could see him would have been three weeks. 
Now, she used her, her pull to get her in to see somebody, but contrast that with my situation where I was in within 24 hours and taken care of. Well, that's... It, Massachusetts mean, has got one of the longest waiting lines for physicians' offices in the United States. You know, you also mentioned the shunning of complex patients, and I think that is... Uh, that is another really important point, and it reminds me of the HMO experience in the 90s when they started pushing HMOs on patients and they tried the Medicare HMOs. Uh, I was actually renting space in an office, a GP's office at that time, and he became one of those huge HMO practices. And what he would do is what they allowed him to do is to pre-screen all the patients so he could choose the patients that were not too sick so that he can take them on his rolls because he was paid a lump sum per patient. Uh, and obviously the more healthy they were, the less he had to do, so the more of that money he could put in his pocket. In addition to which, since he had to pay for any specialty care out of that lump sum that he was given, these patients were not sent to specialists. They weren't sent to specialists even if they needed him, and he tried to take care of everything he could himself. Uh, so what we're really talking about, we started out talking, the, talking about uh, payment and reimbursement to physicians, but really you and I as caring uh, physicians, uh, we know that it's really not about that. It's not about money. It's really about quality of care. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, absolutely. You know, the, and it's, well, you think about it. What translates into quality care? Usually, if you're seeing a physician, a lot of times the quality is based on the time. If you've got a half hour physician, you're going to get better quality than if you got that physician for five minutes. And that's one of the big things we've seen that has changed over the last, you know, 20 years is that the office visit time has shrunk considerably. And it's because, and it kind of goes back to the money, because the doctors have to see the patients quicker to be able to keep the doors open. Well, you know, Obamacare uh, is pretty much, it's based on a series of lies and, and, and misconceptions about American medicine. You and I both know that American medicine is really, uh, has been up till now, the premier health care in the world. I mean, people from all over the world with money who can't get care in their own countries, they come here. Uh, there was a story about one of the members of parliament in Great Britain who was instrumental in preventing any private practice in Great Britain came down with breast cancer and was the first thing she did. She hopped on an airplane and went to UCLA. So, I mean, that's the kind of quality that we have offered uh, patients from around the world because we, were, we weren't free market, certainly, but we were closer to free market than anyone else was. That concludes this week's edition of Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum with Dr. Gianoli. Tune in next week as we conclude this very special interview. And that concludes another episode of Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. Join the battle on our website, www.drdansfreedomforum.com. The right to own private property.
that cannot be arbitrarily confiscated by the government is the moral right and constitutional basis for individual freedom. Call me the mischief. Everything, everything, everything gonna be all right this morning. 